Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke Burrow. I'm the family and ministry coordinator here at CBC Elderton. With me, as always, is our lead pastor, Andrew Hall. You join us here at the beginning of a new year. We are excited to have you all back for another year of Table Talk. And for our first episode of the year, we want to lean a little bit into the culture part of our tagline, Church, Theology, and Culture, though it certainly encompasses all three. We want to talk a little bit about a piece of a piece of news that has been in the news now for quite a couple of months that has a lot of of implications for us as Christians has seen a lot of disagreement a lot of argumentation a lot of difficulty that is the the current conflict taking place uh, in the Middle East uh, between Israel and Palestine this is an, an issue that mm-hmm. is uh, highly politically charged right now. Uh, For all of you listening, I would be shocked if this is the first time that you're hearing about this. If so, I envy your ability to stay away from the news, I think. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I wish I could be like that. But these are are big things going on in the world that have theological consequences. And so it it isn't just that we want to uh, jump on the mics here and talk about a political issue. There's a reason we want to talk about this. Why don't you lay out for the, the listener, Andrew, why why this is something that we would want to discuss here on this podcast. Uh, automatically, Christians jump into uh, issues like this and they they don't recognize that they're bringing political and theological assumptions to how they are thinking about issues in the news. Yeah. And it's important for us to maybe take a pause and a step back and just go, what are those assumptions that I'm bringing? Uh, maybe I, I'm less concerned about the political piece uh, as much as I am the theological piece. I'm a pastor. I'm not a politician, but that's not to say that politics doesn't matter to me because uh, Jesus is king overall. Mm -hmm. And that is the most political thing that I could ever say. That's right. Uh, So, so when we're thinking politically, we need to be first off thinking theologically about our politics, not so much, is this about the left or the right? That's yeah. really, we want to be biblical Christians even when we're approaching politics. Absolutely. And before we get started uh, with our discussion this week, we do want to give just a little bit of historical background and context uh, for the listener uh, to the events currently taking place in the Middle East. Now, for those of you who have spent any time at all looking into this, you'll know that the Issues and conflicts taking place in the Middle East in Israel are famously complicated, famously difficult to wrap your minds around. And so this will, by necessity, be a very, very basic introduction. Um, But I think it will be useful for us. And these conflicts, though they go back really thousands of years, in many ways, I think the best place for us to start for our purposes will be to go back to the end of World War II. After the end of World War II, after all of the terrible atrocities and crimes committed against the Jewish people in Nazi Germany, the world saw a need for the Jewish people to have a home, to have a a place to live and a place to be protected. And so with the support of 
many Western nations, the modern state of Israel was formed in the year 1948. Uh, at that point, uh, there were uh, Arab people living in that land, uh, people that we would generally call the, the Palestinian people. And so you had Jews settling in Israel, uh, mingling with the Palestinian people. And uh, what you had was two groups, two ethnic groups of people, both who understood themselves to have claim to the land that they were in and experiencing a lot of conflict as a result. Uh, what you ended up with was a a situation where the Palestinian people lived in and still live in certain parts of, of the land of Israel, particularly in the Gaza Strip and in the West Bank to the west of the Jordan River. And then you have the people of Israel occupying most of the rest of the land. And you have on both sides... You have, I think, injustices committed. You have both sides rightfully feeling wronged and hurt for various reasons across history. You've had many different uh, armed conflicts that have taken place. And what you find is a, is a, a land that is in tension uh, between two people groups. And uh, up until last year in October... We had experienced what you could call a, a relatively calm period, though tensions were high before in October of last year, an organization called Hamas, which is a, for one, a political organization that does currently have leadership in the Gaza Strip where many Palestinians live. Hamas is also a been designated as a terrorist organization both by the United States and the European Union and they staged an attack on Israel, on Israelite people, particularly on civilians. It was a, a truly horrible attack, one that has been very, very difficult to read about and hear about. A, a, a truly a, atrocious attack that was ultimately meant to uh, mark the beginning of Hamas's attempt to completely eliminate uh, the nation and the people of Israel from the, the land that they believe rightly belongs to them. So you had this a terrible attack that took place. I think it was about 1,500 uh, Israeli civilians were, were killed in that attack. And uh, what we have now is Israel attacking back in retaliation. They, in an attempt to defend themselves from a political and terrorist organization that wants to destroy them, they have begun a military campaign in the Gaza Strip in an attempt to wipe out and eliminate Hamas, the people who attacked them first in an attack that I believe is the, the worst attack on the Jewish people since World War II and since the Holocaust. And so now you have Israel taking military action in the Gaza Strip, uh, saying we have a right to defend ourselves and we are going to destroy Hamas. 
but you also have many, many people, many nations around the world uh, questioning uh, the way that is being done, whether that is being done in a way that is uh, acting justly towards uh, the many innocent uh, Palestinian civilians that live there in the Gaza Strip. And uh, across the board, what you see is uh, a conflict really born from the brokenness of a sinful world where atrocities are being committed, where both sides are doing questionable, if, if not outright terrible things. And there seems to be very little, very little hope that this conflict can be resolved anytime soon. It is a, a very complex situation and one that, one that is very difficult to talk about quickly. But that gives us a little bit of background then uh, for where we are now, for where we've come to, so that we can have the, the rest of the conversation that we want to have here from a biblical perspective. And so, Andrew, before we jump into that, is there anything you want to add uh, to the historical context and background before we get going? So we, we have two people groups who have been at odds since the days of Abraham. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a long-standing multi-millennia issue. Yes. Um, definitely uh, the issues around uh, security are for Israel a big concern. Yep. Uh, the issues of the rights of land are a concern for both groups. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get going, but, but also... Uh, there's there's probably confusion because uh, Palestinians have been dwelling in uh, in in various places, uh, the Gaza Strip, also in the Golan Heights and such, and and as a result of that, uh, Israel has been building settlements there. This has caused increased conflict. It's it's just a it's a huge mess, incredibly from, complicated from yeah. beginning to end. And for us to try and provide a context for that is is very difficult. Um, but what we can do is we can think um, like an unprovoked, uh, when we talk about an unprovoked attack, uh, it's sometimes a little bit complicated because Hamas definitely has the aim to eliminate Israel. And so mm -hmm. Israel has responded by saying, we're going to eliminate Hamas. Um, but yeah, we need to think more theologically about this conflict and not just politically. Yeah, for sure. We we give that background to frame up the, the theological conversation, but this is for sure not our area of expertise. And if, if you want to know more of the, the details of what's going on in the background, I would definitely suggest finding some, some experts on the, the topic. They're wonderful videos and explanations online that, that you can find quite readily. But for our purposes, that's enough for us to begin to yeah. then to then talk about uh, what is happening in the Middle East from a theological perspective. There are a number of things going on here that cause Christians to disagree with one another. And maybe some of you listening have friends or family uh, that uh, with whom you have had some of your own disagreements. There's, there's a lot going on here as we're talking about Israel, as we're talking about a, a land that features heavily in the story of the Bible and the story of redemption. And there's many ways in which this intersects with us as a church theologically. And so, Andrew, what are some of the complicating factors that 
cause Christians to disagree over what's going on currently in the Middle East? So when we when we talk about Israel and the land, uh, immediately we're bringing assumptions about how we read the Bible. Yeah. Uh, does Israel have a right to the land uh, because of biblical promises? Uh, how do those biblical promises play out? Um, we also have issues of justice that are being worked out here as well. Um, I, I think very simply, we're gonna. I'm gonna simplify because sometimes in podcasts that's the most helpful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there are there have been two primary ways that people have read the Bible. Uh, one has been called a system called dispensationalism, and it one of the key features of dispensational thought has been to separate Israel and the church. Yes. Um, and as a result of that, uh, Israel uh, is promised this land uh, by God to Abraham. Uh, dispensationalists generally believe that that covenant that God made with Israel is unconditional. Therefore, the land promise is an unconditional promise yeah. that they have a divine right to the land. Uh, this, for many Christians, this has created a sense of, um, I think since 1948 and the establishment of the nation of Israel, people have looked at Israel and thought, well, as a result of this, uh, as the result of the formation of Israel, prophecy is coming true. And so this is also a whole element in which people have looked at at the dispute. And they've looked mm-hmm. at things like the seven-day war. I think that was back in 67, uh, where where Israel was attacked by Egypt and and Egypt conquered uh, victoriously in a miraculous way. Um, so people have read the Bible and and they have looked at Israel and the modern state of Israel as though it simply is uh, Israel has a divine right to the land. Uh, others have read the Bible. I'd say covenantalists have read the Bible, seeing a separation. Uh, not not a separation, sorry, a, a continuation between Israel and the church. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, the, the land promises are broadened. Uh, Romans 4 will talk about that Ab- Abraham was to inherit the whole earth, um, not just the land of Palestine, uh, Israel. Uh, even, even those terms are politically loaded, yeah. uh, Palestine or Israel. Um, then, then there, there's still another way to think about it, and I, and I probably would fall in between these two, recognizing that um, yes, the land promises were given to Israel. I do think that they were given on a condition of obedience to God's covenant, mm-hmm. and as a result of uh, if they would follow the covenant and they would submit to God and trust in Him, they would be blessed, and the covenant uh, God would secure that covenant in the land. Uh, and and if they disobeyed, they would they would lose that, and as a result, they've been exiled from the land and sent out. Uh, certainly, what we have to acknowledge is that um, that we are we are people who read the Bible through a particular lens, and that shapes our politics. Yeah. Um, but we also need to understand that there are principles of justice here. Um, there are issues about what do you do with. Um, let's say a Palestinian farmer whose house is on one side of the wall and whose farm is on the other side of the wall. As a result of the wall that Israel has set up, there are times where he can't either get home or get to work. And that's through, maybe he is just a, a, a simple peasant who 
uh, is desiring to honestly work hard. Um, and so that creates a hatred towards the Jews and the Jews have a hatred towards the, the Palestinians because, well, look at what you've done and how you've attacked us. Um, certainly the underground tunnels uh, have been an attempt by many Palestinians to to get to their land in rightful, like the, they want rightful access. But the wall has been set up by Israel because they've recognized there are massive security issues. You've got no. Hezbollah and and other groups that are are supporting Hamas and uh, giving uh, uh, military equipment. And and as a result of that, we we have massive issues of justice. What does it mean to live in security and peace? And what does it mean to have rightful access to your property? And what does it mean when a government forcefully takes your property? And what does it mean when you when, when there's a dispute over land? Those are issues not merely about, did God promise the land to Abraham, but how is land rightfully distributed? And what is a just use of property? The Bible condemns theft. It 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 honors the value of private property. Mm-hmm. And so there are issues of justice here. So I would say that those are the major pieces that Christians need to think through is how do we read the Bible in light of covenants? And how do we understand justice, which are our first and foremost, those need to be in our mind. Absolutely. And as, as you've said, there are a number of possible ways that Christians think about this. And we, we, for, for our part, have our, have our own thoughts and our own convictions on that. And we want to spend a, a little, little bit of time breaking down how we can think about this crisis, how we can respond to it uh, with some biblical principles uh, that we have, have found in the Bible and found to be true. And so, Andrew, what, what principles would help us as a church think about responding to this crisis? Before we get into any questions about politics, uh, from an earthly standpoint, we need to start with the politics of heaven. Yep. As a believer, uh, we, we are the people of God who are citizens of heaven. And so we are united one to another as Christians. Uh, so Philippians 3, we'll talk about that our citizenship is in heaven. So before I am Canadian, uh, before I am uh, ethnically Caucasian, before anything of those types of issues, I am first and foremost a Christian. Yes. That means that my unity is with Jesus Christ and all who are in Christ. And, and so uh, I, ought to, uh, I, I ought to recognize that I have far more in common with a person who is of Jewish uh, background, who is a believer, and a Palestinian who is a believer than I do with a Palestinian who's an unbeliever or a Jew who's an unbeliever. Or even a Canadian who's an unbeliever. Yeah, I I have far more in common with other believers. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. And because we are aligned in Jesus Christ, that precedes our national identity, our ethnicity, our gender. Those things are, they're not unimportant, but they're secondary. First and foremost for the Christian has to be that that I stand up with my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Um, the next thing I would say is we have to remember that that Israel as it currently exists is a, a nation that has broken the covenant with the Lord, mm-hmm. that they have been disobedient. 
Um, and as a result of that disobedience, uh, I believe that that they are they're under the curse of the covenant. And God had said that in Deuteronomy, for example, that what would happen is if Israel would disobey, he would he would send his prophets and he would provoke the Jews by going to the Gentiles. And and a lot of what is happening today is really that Romans 9 through 11, that God has sent his gospel message to the Gentiles uh, to provoke the Jews back so that they would trust in Jesus Christ. But they are a Messiah rejecting people. And and that does not mean that I, I had to have hatred or animosity or anything like that. But I need to recognize that as a result of Israel being in a broken relationship with the Lord, uh, yes, land matters. Yes, justice matters. Israel needs, as, as, a, as a people, a Jewish people need to, to turn to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And, and then that leads me to also say practically, Private property matters in the Bible. Yes. And so disputes over land need, need to be settled uh, in a, a matter of, of justice, not in a matter of, uh, well, uh, just because I, I hold this position theologically, um, I, Israel gets a carte blanche pass on anything or, or, or the Palestinians get a carte blanche pass. Uh, a Christian needs to act in just principles. Yeah. And the just principle is land matters and land disputes need to be settled in a way that is honoring to God, that honors justice. The rule of law matters. Uh, it matters that uh, the wrongs are on both sides here. Mm-hmm. Uh, sneaking into uh, Israel, having paths into Israel underground is completely wrong. It avoids uh, the security issues that Israel rightfully has, just as it is wrong for for Palestinians to be squeezed out of of their uh, of their homes and of their farmland, and for pressure to be put on them to to compromise that. And as a result of that, uh, we can't just say, "Oh, Israel gets a carte blanche pass, and the Palestinians get a carte blanche pass." There are wrongs on both sides. That does not mean that the the wrongs that are done are equally wrong, but it does mean that the sin adds and complicates it over and over in greater and greater ways. And so as a result of that, we just have to recognize that what we're dealing with is a lot of injustice, a lot of sin, a lot of rebellion against God. And, and ultimately, since the days of Abraham, Israel and uh, the Jewish people and the Palestinian people have been at odds. God said that there would be these two nations that would be at, they would be at enmity with one another. And so uh, we, we have to realize that that's a true factor here. And this is one of the many ways in which understanding the Bible and having a biblical worldview helps us, I think, make a lot of sense of so much of what's going on, helps us kind of step back from the, the political reality and the forest that's there and to, to, to not just see individual trees, but to step back and see the whole forest. And it's, it's very clear that from a biblical perspective, there's, there's a lot going on that ultimately doesn't have its fulfillment or its hope or its answer in politics. And so as we, as God's people seeking to understand this biblically, then 
seek to move forward as we discuss this conflict, as we address this conflict, as it inevitably will come up in our lives in so many ways. What are some of the ways that we, as God's people, should, should be approaching others as we, as we think about these things? The Bible talks about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And the peace of Jerusalem will not come in an earthly sense by human beings just trying to sort out a political conflict. The peace that comes, Ephesians 2 will talk about this. God has broken the dividing wall of hostility between uh, Jew and Gentile through the blood of the cross. Mm -hmm. And the way that peace ultimately comes is by believers uh, uh, taking the gospel to both unbelieving Jews and unbelieving uh, Palestinians. And, and that is not going to automatically remove the conflict either. Uh, there, there are lots of deep-seated historical wounds here. And, and yet, you have to have a starting place. And the starting place, I think, is the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes. That, that as a, if a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ and a Palestinian believer in Jesus Christ come together, they've got more in common and so that's a starting point. It's a huge starting point. The, the second thing is we need to understand that uh, the rule of law matters. Uh, just, because, um, just, just because evil is done, uh, there are lots of complicating factors here. Israel needs to be held accountable. Hamas needs to be held accountable. Israel has a right to defend itself. Um, the, the evils here are are many and complicated. I do think that as Westerners, generally the idea of freedom has been promoted and Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. As a result of that, uh, nations uh, in the West have generally supported Israel because they want to see the promotion of democracy. Uh that, that's a good thing. I'd say freedom matters, but Israel is not truly free. Uh, there are issues even in Israel where um, people, you cannot, uh, I, I, I've been partnering with a mission or, or organization and some of it happens to Jewish people. And in Israel, it is, uh, it is against the law to do humanitarian aid connected with any sort of conversion ministry. Mm-hmm. And so true freedom does not exist even in Israel. Uh, there are severe limitations because they want to protect the Jewish people. We want to value justice. And ultimately, what we should be aligning to is justice and mercy found in Jesus Christ in the gospel. And that's what we want. Uh, we can disagree about many of these issues as believers. Uh, even as Christians, we can disagree about Israel and Hamas and Palestine and uh, like the Palestinians um, and I know I'm going to get people responding to me frustrated that I've used Palestine. Um, I do think that we can disagree graciously if we remember we have more in our union with Jesus Christ and Israel is not a first order issue. It's, an, it's a matter of how we read the Bible, what priority we put on covenants and how those covenants fit together. And as a result of that, let's be gracious with one another as believers. And let's not make politics the first thing. 
uh, the politics of the city of man, as Augustine would say, but let's make the politics of the city of God primary, that we want the gospel to be first and foremost. We want Jews and Arabs and Palestinians, we want them to come to know Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We are first citizens of heaven. Our first allegiance is to our Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the way forward with one another is with love and with care and with gentleness. And the ultimate hope in this conflict and any world conflict is the, the, the grace and the mercy and the hope that is available to all in Jesus Christ. And so we, we pray ultimately that that would, that would ultimately result in, in an amazing peace and amazing progress in the Middle East. But until then, we, we seek to love one another. We seek to prioritize the gospel of Jesus above all things. So thank you everybody for joining us, you know, just a, a short 20-ish minute episode on the <laughs> conflict going on in the Middle East. It's turned out to be a little more than 20 at this point, unsurprisingly, but thanks for, for listening to us. We hope that this has been helpful. We will look forward to seeing you again next week where we are going to be beginning a series of episodes on loneliness, something that has been on the hearts and minds of many recently. So we hope that you'll be able to join us for that next week. Until then, have a wonderful week and we will see you then. Bye everybody. Take care.